Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you would now, please take out the Word of God and turn it in, in the middle of your Bible to the book of Psalms and Psalm number 19. You know, last week we started a series that we have entitled Four Favorites. And as we begin our second message in that series today, I want to just share with you um, my favorite birthday treat when I was growing up. Now, I know when I was younger, I would always get a birthday cake for my birthday. But as I grew a little bit older, I actually said to my mom, I don't want a birthday cake anymore for my birthday. What I want for my birthday is a Boston cream pie. That's what I want for my birthday. And you know, you just think about Boston cream pie and those two layers of moist vanilla cake and that vanilla pudding that's in the middle all topped with chocolate portal. And you know, I just want to take a bite of it as I see it right now in that picture. So incredibly delicious. But I also want to remind you that this is not a, a series about my favorite foods. It's really a series about some of my favorite Bible passages, but we've been following a little bit of a theme we picked up from Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, 16, when he said to God, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. And there are many passages in God's word that delight my heart, but I want to share today with you a second one. And it's from Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. Now, before we actually get into that, we need to go back in time again. I shared with you last time, if you were here, and if you weren't here, you want to get that message uh, off of our Facebook or off of our, our website, because I took you back in time to the time in which I trusted in Jesus as my rescuer from sin and judgment, which happened to me at the age of 11. But I pretty well stopped right there. And I want you to know that after I trusted in Christ at the age of 11, I did not grow spiritually for years. I mean, years. And I don't know really what it was. Maybe it was just that I wasn't listening very well. But I, I began to get this sense, even though I went to church week after week and month after month, I got this sense that I, I kept hearing the same thing repeated every week, Sunday after Sunday. And by the time I became a teenager, I had developed a perspective that the Bible was boring. In fact, I even let it slip out of my mouth that I thought the Bible was maybe the most boring book in all of the world. And that was actually a way that I operated in my spiritual walk until January of 1970 when I was at the university. I was about to turn 19. And I had a guy show up and invite me to a Bible conference. Now, that's exactly the way I thought of it, a Bible conference. He invited me to a Bible conference. Who would want to go to a Bible conference? And I have to admit to you, I tried to avoid that guy when he invited me to a Bible conference, and uh, I was very reluctant to accept his invitation but I finally did accept it because it was in my former hometown. 
And I said, well, I can go to that Bible conference. I can skip out of it. It was going to be Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. And then I'll hang out with some of my old high school chums. And then I can get a ride back to the university from there. This Bible conference was held at Beth Haven Church in Kansas City. And Pastor Chet McCauley was the one who was speaking. And he spoke the entire weekend on the grace of God. And I have to tell you, it, it, I never heard anything like it. He opened up the Bible and he began to explain what it meant and how it applied to my life. And as my friend Dean said to me, he said, Bruce, you were like a starving baby. And the truth of the matter is that's exactly what I was. You know, in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, Peter says, like a newborn babe, long for the milk of the word so that by it you may, you know what the next words are? That you may grow. And that's what hadn't happened to me for all of those years. I had not grown at all spiritually. And that weekend I heard from the word of God and I ate those words and they became a joy and a delight to my heart. And it's been a fascinating journey, I have to tell you, for Bruce Hess since then. And today I want to share with you one of those passages that to me are very delicious. It's Psalm 19, verses 7 to 14. I'd like you to read along as I read from God's Word. King David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. He says, the law of the Lord, verse 7, is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Equip me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now we have a plan as we explore this section of God's word. It's going to involve four steps today. First of all, we're going to look at the necessity of God's word. When it comes to revelation, we have to have God's word. Then we're going to look at the character of God's word in verses 7 to 9. We're going to look at the desirability of God's word in verses 10 to 11. And then we're going to look at reflective prayer of our need for God's word in verses 12 to 14. So that is where we are going today. Are you ready to take the first step? Let's look at the necessity of God's word. Now, if you pull back for a moment from Psalm 19, we would learn that David is writing about God's revelation. And he says there are two aspects to God's revelation. And the first aspect is his revelation in creation. And we see that in verses 1 to 6, 
we call that theologically natural revelation. And then we have his revelation in Scripture in verses 7 to 11. We call that theologically special revelation. The first is the revelation that God gives us through the world. The second is the revelation that he gives us through his word. Now, when we talk about his revelation in creation, natural revelation, it does tell us things about God. It declares, the creation does, that God exists, that there is a God, and it tells us about his power. All you have to do is look at creation and you can see that. But the, the problem with natural creation or revelation in creation is it doesn't really inform us of God's character. It doesn't really tell us about his will. It doesn't really tell us anything about his work in salvation. So therefore, it is vitally critical not only that we see his revelation in creation, but we see his revelation in Scripture. I love the way Jesus put it when he said, man shall not live by bread alone, by what we consume physically, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. See, the word of God is essential to us if we're going to learn about salvation, if we're going to learn who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. It's essential if we're going to grow spiritually. It's essential if we're going to survive spiritually. We need the word of God. And that, men and women, I must confess to you, is what Bruce has failed to grasp for years in my spiritual life. It is God's word that answers for us life's biggest questions. You know, where did I come from? God's word tells us. Why are we here? God's word tells us. Where am I going? God's word tells us all of those things. And it's God's word, his special revelation, it is the word of God that points us to the person of Jesus. That is the necessity of God's word. We must have it. And fortunately, God has given it to us. Second thing we want to look at is the very character of God's word in verses 7 to 9. Now, I want you to notice, as you might just glance at those verses, that there are three sets of six in these verses. There are six nouns located there, which are six synonyms for God's word. Why does he use six synonyms for God's word? He's being very picturesque. He's trying to give us this multicolored perspective on God's word. And then not only do we have those six nouns that are synonyms of God's word, we have six adjectives that are six words that are descriptive of God's word. And then we have six verbal phrases that occur in these verses that delineate for us six benefits of God's word. So what we want to do is we tackle this to understand these verses. I want to look at the noun and the adjective, the synonym and the descriptive first, and then we'll double back and we'll look at the benefits of God's word. So look at verse 7. We have the first noun, the first synonym. It says, the law of the Lord. Literally, in the original, it is the Torah of the Lord. 
And sometimes when people think of the Torah, they think only of the law portion of the Old Testament because there was the law and then there was the prophets and then there were the writings. But really when it talked of the Torah of the Lord, it was talking about the whole doctrine of the Old Testament. It was talking about all the teaching of the Old Testament. And so he says in verse 7, the law of the Lord, all the teaching of the Old Testament is, and here comes our very first descriptive, is perfect. It's interesting, the exact same word is the word that was used in the Old Testament system of animal sacrifice. You remember this? When they said, if you're going to sacrifice an animal, it has to be without blemish. Exactly the same word that is used here. It means that the word of God is without blemish. It is flawless. The word of God is an unerring guide. It points out the way and the will of God. If we want to know that, we go to the word of God. And the word of God is flawless. It won't ever lead us astray. You know, I've been studying this for multiple decades. It's never led me astray, not even once. And, and, you know, there's so many messages coming at us and so many ideas coming at us and so many claims that are coming at us. The world's always barking at us. And it's important that we understand that God's word is perfect. It's flawless. It is the perfect guide to life. Look at verse 7. We have the second synonym. He says, the testimony of the Lord. Well, this is referring to his declarations when you give testimony, you're just giving witness. This is the witness of God that we have. He's personally sharing his perspective with us. And the testimony of the Lord, here comes the second descriptive, is sure. The idea here is it's dependable. If you have an NIV, it might translate it. It is trustworthy. The, the, the core idea is that it is reliable, and I'll tell you something, these contemporary ideas and speculations about all kinds of things out there, they're far from reliable, but God's perspective, his testimony is reliable. Uh, the word of God is our source of truth. It tells us the truth about who God is. It tells us the truth about who man is. It tells us the truth about life. It tells us the truth about death. It tells us how we're to operate at work, how we're to operate at home, how we're to relate to our friends, how we relate to our enemies. There's a lot of talk about marriage today. How do we learn what marriage is all about? Well, the testimony, the declarations of the Lord is sure, it's reliable, it's trustworthy. I mean, he invented it. He invented it. He knows what it's all about. It is reliable truth that we can build our life on. I just did not understand that for so long. You know, I, I, I've talked with Janet about this from time to time. You know, I've told her, because I have some friends that were sort of similar to me back then, and I, I told her, to be honest with you, apart from God intervening my, in my life and giving me the word of God, I, I have no doubt I would be divorced today. Because I know the way that I thought. But his word is reliable truth that we can build our life on. Look at verse 8. We have the third synonym of the word of God. It says, the precepts of the Lord. This refers to his directives, to the exhortations, to the commands that he gives. And his directives, his exhortations, his commands, it says there in verse 8 with the third descriptive, 
are right. You know, his word will put us on the right track. His word will keep us on the right track. And that's so very important because life is short. You know, those of you who are younger don't really feel that in your soul yet, but those of us who've been around for a while will all testify in a unanimous way to that truth. Life is short. It goes by in a flash. You know, I'm 66 years old. I keep pinching myself. How can that possibly be? It's just been woo, and we're there. And because life is very short, there's just no time for any of us to spend years walking on a path that we find out later is just a dead end. And then we have to double back and get on the right path. There's no time for that. I did that in my own life, I can tell you. There's no time for it. The world is out there and it's always peddling truth our way. You know, it, it says, well, you want to have lasting fulfillment in your life? You really want to feel fulfillment? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to get a lot of stuff. And you need to keep getting stuff. And the more stuff that you get, eventually you'll get enough stuff and you'll feel just lasting fulfillment. It, it doesn't work that way. Or the world will say what you really need to do if you want to feel fulfillment deep in your soul is you need to have plenty of fun. You need to have plenty of recreation. You know, you, you need to travel everywhere. You need to play kind of games all the time and video, you know, you do all that and then you're, but you know, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with fun and recreation, but that's not the way to experience lasting fulfillment. Or one thing we know for sure the world peddles is they say, well, if you want to really feel fulfilled on the inside, what you need is a lot of sexual pleasure. Man, the more sexual pleasure you can get, whoa, you'll really feel fulfilled. Doesn't work that way. You know what the Bible says about how we can experience lasting fulfillment? Here's how you do it. You do it by knowing your creator. Knowing our creator, knowing God. Look at verse 8. It goes on. It gives us the fourth synonym of the word of God. It says, the commandment of the Lord. In the New American Standard, at least that is singular, and that's the reason why it's singular is because it's singular in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew. It's not talking about the commandments. It's talking about the commandment of the Lord, the whole body of truth of the word of God. And it says there in verse 8, the fourth descriptive, the word of God, the commandment of the Lord is pure. I just love that one. It's not murky. You know, there's no pollution. There's no error to be found in it. You know, and our culture today is having an increasing focus on having this concern about what we ingest physically. Certainly, I, I know all of my children all have a greater concern even than I did growing up. We, we got to be careful about what we ingest physically. We want it to be all natural. We want it to be organic. We want it to be cage-free and range-free and antibiotic-free and non-GMO you know, anything that's genetically modified. And there's nothing wrong with all those things. That probably will help us to be more careful about how we are in our physical world. But there's such concern about that. And I ask myself the question, is there equal concern for what we are ingesting spiritually? The commandment of the Lord, his body of truth is pure. It is truly organic. It is more than all natural. 
It is all supernatural. When it comes to God's word, there are no artificial or harmful additives. There is no error. It is not muddled. God did not stutter when he spoke. He tells it like it is. When we have the word of God, here's what we have. Clear perspective. Extremely clear perspective. Look at verse 9. We have the fifth synonym of the word of God. It says, the fear of the Lord. And David gets very poetic here because he takes an attitude that we might gain from Scripture, the fear of the Lord, and he uses that as a synonym for God's word. I don't know, I don't know why he came up with that. I don't know whether he was thinking of some passages that might elicit a response of fear of the Lord, maybe a passage on judgment or a passage on spiritual warnings, but he uses this as a synonym for God's word. And he says, the fear of the Lord, and here comes our fifth descriptive adjective, is clean. It means it's ethically clean. It, it is flawless. You know, one thing that you learn from God's word is that God is no respecter of persons. It, doesn't, it isn't that way in the real world because the world is very much a respecter of persons. If someone has a lot of money, they're treated differently. If someone is in a position of power and authority, they're dealt with differently. They're looked at differently. But God is no respecter of persons. His word is ethically clean. He is fully fair to all. Do you, you ever wonder this? I mean... You look around at some of the things that are going on, you see certain individuals and they seem like they're just constantly doing wrong. They're doing wrong. They're doing wrong. They're doing wrong. Some of us have heard about, there was just a story, you know, where someone who was DUI, drunk driving, and he'd already been charged with that three times before. And he got deferred sentences. Now he commits it a fourth time. Actually, he did it a fifth time, but it got dismissed on a technicality and he kills somebody. And you're going, oh, I mean, is that really being fair? I mean, how does that happen that you get away with stuff? We all know this. But here's the thing about God. No one who is deserving of judgment will ever escape. You know, we often wonder, how are they getting away with it? Is, any, is it justice? Yes, justice is going to come. The word of God tells us that. Look at verse 9. We have the final synonym of God's word there. It says, the judgments of the Lord. This refers to his rulings, his verdicts on issues his judgments, his verdicts, his rulings are, it says, true. They are true reality. When God levies a verdict, you can count it as being true. When he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that those who desire to get rich, who order their life around becoming rich, he says they fall into a temptation and a snare. That is true reality. You can count on that verdict as being true. We've talked a little bit about the whole culture re-looking re at this idea of marriage. Listen, if you want the real verdict on marriage, you look at the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us, you want to talk about a verdict, it says that there is no hope for any human being apart from Jesus Christ. That's a verdict that is true. So we see these wonderful synonyms, and we see these descriptives now I want to just track back for a moment and look at six benefits, these six verbal phrases. And I want you to know, men and women, these are really delicious. Okay? 
These are really delicious. Look at the first one, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, and here comes the first benefit, restoring the soul. What does that mean? It means the word of God refreshes our inner being. The word of God invigorates us. The word of God energizes us. The word of God is able to revive our strength. We need that from time to time. Revive our strength physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The word of God is food for the spiritual hunger that we have. And I was spiritually hungry for a long time. The word of God is comfort to those who are sorrowful. Second benefit, verse 7. Notice it there. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's referring to the inexperienced. By the way, that's what I was. I was pretty simple. I was pretty inexperienced. It was the word of God that brought to me wisdom. It's the word of God that gives us the skill that we need to live life well. It is the word of God that tells us how we are to treat other people and how we are to respond when we're treated unfairly by other people. You know, one of my favorite verses have been found in Psalm 119, which, by the way, is a whole psalm about the word of God. It goes on for multiple, multiple verses. But in verses 99 to 100, it says this. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers. Why could anyone ever say that? I mean, that just seems crazy. What does it say? I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I reflect on your word, God. He goes on to say, I have more understanding than the elders. It's referring to the aged. How does that work? <laughs> you know, you, you know the, the aged people, they have decades on us, more year, more, more years, you know, more water under the bridge. They've learned, wait a second, how does, this, how, how does that happen? Well, he says, I have more understanding than the aged, for I obey your precepts, God. Incredible truth. Look at verse 8. We have the third benefit He says there, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The word of God brings joy to our heart. There's a deep sense of satisfaction and peace to be found there. Jesus talked about this. He says in Luke 11, 28, blessed. How many people want to be blessed? I mean, wow, I want to be blessed. He says, blessed are those who hear the word of God. And then what does it say? And observe it. Look at verse 8 again. Fourth descriptive. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives us insight into life. The word of God tells us what death really is. It tells us why death exists. It goes on to point behind the door of death. And so important, it tells all of us about the path that can deliver us from death. Verse 9, we have the fifth benefit. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. If you look in the original language, it literally says standing forever. 
And I began using the New American Standard Bible back in 1970. And the theme verse for the New American Standard Bible is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, which says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. What does that mean? Well, it means it's permanently relevant. It never needs to be edited or updated. There's never going to be a need for a Bible 2.0 or a Bible 3.0 or a Bible 4.0. The Bible's never obsolete. You know, I've lived 66 years, and I can tell you that with every fiber of my being. It's never obsolete. It is, it has timeless relevancy to it. Verse 9 again, our last benefit, the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They're 100% right through and through from the beginning of the book, from the top of the book to the bottom of the book. It is an accurate reflection of God's will and God's character. And, And having looked at all of this so far in these verses, here's what we know. The Bible is true Reliable, soul-renewing, life-preserving, joy-inducing, energy-giving, revelation from the hand of God. No wonder, it says in Psalm 119, how I love your laws, how I enjoy your commands. Come, come to me. I call to them, for I love them and will let them fill my life. Some delicious stuff. Thirdly, let's look at the desirability of God's word, if we haven't already seen enough of it. But look at verse 10. It says, they are, speaking of the words of God, more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. You know that a person who knows and lives the scripture is richer than the wealthiest person on the planet. People do a lot of talking about Donald Trump and all these, I don't know how much money you guys got. But the one who knows and lives the scripture is richer than all the Donald Trumps on the planet. Verse 10, regarding the word of God. God's words are sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. I would say the word of God is more delicious than the best Boston cream pie ever. Why is that important? We say life, if you've lived it for a while, you'll know life brings along some sourness. There's, there's things that create some bitterness about parts of life. But God's word brings sweetness to our life. Look at verse 11. It says, moreover, beyond that, by them your servant is warned in keeping them God's word There is, if you underline your Bible, underline these next two words, great reward. I can testify. That is such a true statement. In keeping them, there is great reward. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is God speaking. He says, let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. In keeping them, there is great reward reward. And that brings us down to the fourth thing we want to look at quickly, and that is a reflective prayer of our need for God's word. And this is a prayer. You can look at it more later. A prayer for pardon, a prayer for protection, a prayer for a pleasing life before God. And, and David says in verse 12, who can discern his 
errors. In other words, who can really know, humanly speaking, where we're off course, where we've taken some missteps. And by the way, I took many of them. I still take them from time to time. Who can really know that? Well, it's impossible on our own. We need the word of God. It talks about errors, missteps that we make. It also talks about hidden faults. These are things that are not on our conscious radar. You know, sometimes we're just tootling along in life and we think everything's where it ought to be. And then we're in, we intersect with the word of God and it wasn't on our radar, but we go, whoa, I need to think differently. I need to live differently. And then it talks about presumptuous sins. These are flagrant, deliberate things that we do. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Look at verse 13. He says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Being acquitted is just an Old Testament way of finding and experiencing forgiveness. Look at verse 14. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth, let what I say and the meditations of my heart, what I think be acceptable in your sight. And by the way, when those first two are consistent with Scripture, what we say and what we think, our actions will be two. Men and women, this is a delicious, delicious portion of God's word. And you know, it's my heart when we have gazed into the word of God that we come out of it with some life response. And I'm going to suggest two life responses for us. And the first one is read, read the word of God. Many of you know and have heard of Donald Gray Barnhouse, who was the pastor for many, many years at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And one particular day, Dr. Barnhouse was traveling on a train, and he was reading his Bible. And there was a young student seated across from him who was reading a number of news magazines that he had brought along. Now, you know, that's what people used to do. You used to read news magazines. Now you'd be reading your iPad or your tablet. So he's reading these things, and he recognizes Dr. Barnhouse, and he goes up to Dr. Barnhouse, and he says, Dr. Barnhouse, how can I be a man of the word like you? How can I know the Bible like you? You know anything about Dr. Barnhouse? You know, he's extremely straightforward. He turned to him, and he said, son, as long as you continue to read those magazines more than you read this book, you'll know more about those magazines than you do this book. We need to read the word of God. By the way, if you've never, ever read the Word of God, if, you've, if, you're, if you just say, I've never even read it, I would suggest that you start with the Gospel of John. It's a great way to begin. Many of us, though, ha have read the Word of God from time to time, and I think we need a little more than just reading the Gospel of John. We need to have a reading plan. And there's a, a wonderful resource for that. You can go to navigators.org and look under tools, and they have several reading plans for reading the Word of God that are available there. It's a good guideline for us. I would like to suggest you think about using their five-by-five five plan. It involves five minutes a day for five days a week. And by the way, when we put out later on today our questions for reflection on this message, I will attach a PDF 
of that five-by-five reading plan. We want to read, but we also want to interact. Let me suggest, and there's lots of ways you can interact, but I want to suggest two questions that you ask yourself as you're reading God's Word. You can write these down. This is pretty practical stuff. Here's the first question as you're reading God's Word. What truths does God want me to know? What truths does God want me to know? Second question, how can I honor him with my attitudes and actions? How can I honor him with my attitudes and actions? So the first life response is we read. Second life response is this. We just rejoice. We have at our fingertips the word of God. Have you ever met anybody from a different country or different culture who never had their own copy of the word of God and they finally got one? And what are they doing? They're rejoicing because the very words of God are in their hands and that's what we need to do. He's given us his book. We need to rejoice. It's a wonderful privilege to have the word of God. Psalm 19 Verses 7 to 14. These are God's words. Eat them, embrace them, believe them, and they will be a joy and a delight to your heart. Let us pray together. Father, we just thank you. Oh, so grateful. Even when I was running the opposite way, you brought me right to the word of God. And all the difference it's made in my life I can't even imagine all that's involved. Lord, we desperately need you. We desperately need your word. What a privilege it is to have it. We need to read it. We need to interact with it. We need to heed it. We need you. Thank you for giving us your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 